Good morning, my brothers and sisters. This has been another week when we have been following the news and we have been listening to various governing and healthcare authorities on how we ought to live our lives. And even as we do our part to prevent the spread of the virus, we remember this morning that we are a people who belong to Jesus Christ. He is the one who directs our day-to-day life. And he is the one who is governing and watching over the situation around us. And so it's fitting that, again on this Sunday, even as we gather together apart and we're separated, that we come together to hear his voice and to submit to his word. Now, these circumstances are exceptional. exceptional. We're apart. We're not together on this Sunday morning. And we should feel the loss of the gathering on Sunday morning. Uh, This morning we should feel the loss of hearing one another's voices as we lift up songs of praise. We should feel the loss of not being able to pass the peace of Christ to one another. We should feel the loss of not being being able to sit together under the preaching of God's word. And we should feel the loss of not being able to gather together and eat and drink at the Lord's table. But even so, we all share the same Spirit. It is the same Spirit who joins us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's the same Spirit who joins us to Christ Himself. And we have the same Word of God before us this morning. We have opened the same Scriptures. And this morning we need to consider what God's Word says to us. And so I've chosen as my text for us to consider today 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. And in particular, I want to consider verses 3 to 9. This is Peter's word of blessing. And in it, he is blessing God. He's blessing God for the hope that we have, the hope of resurrection, the hope of eternal inheritance. And he's also blessing God for the fact that even in the midst of trials, we know that he is testing and proving our faith. And we know that in the midst of it, because of our faith in Christ and our love in Christ, we know his presence and our hearts are being turned toward him. And we know that this is for our good and that the result is joy. And so that's what I want us to consider on this Lord's Day. The fact that in the midst of this circumstance, we are called to bless God. Bless him for the hope of resurrection and eternal inheritance. And bless him that even in this trial... He is turning our hearts towards the Lord Jesus. So first, I want us to consider the reason for the blessing. And the first reason that Peter gives us, and we can see this in verses 3 to 5. The first reason that he gives us is because we have been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, this is a question that many people are asking at a time like this. Uh, What hope is there? What is our hope? And where do we look for our hope? Are we looking to the government for our hope in a time like this? Are we looking to the epidemiologists and the virologists and the various people that are working in the healthcare profession? Are we looking to them for our hope? Are we looking to the market? Are we hoping for some sort of an economic recovery? Is that where our hope is? Or are we looking to our fellow Canadian citizens, hoping that we, as as neighbours, will be able to look out for one another? 
But we are reminded at a time like this but that none of those things are the basis of our hope. Our hope is not built on any of those things. In your call to worship this morning, we read Psalm 62. And remember what is declared in that psalm. God alone is my rock. God alone is my salvation. And today we are reminded of that. God alone is our hope and our salvation. And he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the Lord's Day. This is Sunday. This is the first day of the week. This is the day when God raised Jesus from the dead. And his resurrection is a declaration that sin and death and the devil have been defeated. And on this Sunday, just as on every Sunday, we declare the resurrection and we remember our living hope And our living hope is in Christ himself. He's the one who has conquered. He's the one who has overcome. He's the one who has delivered us from our sins. He's delivered us from death. And today we bless God because of the living hope we have in the resurrection of Christ. And today we look to him. He is the resurrection. He is the life. And today we bless God because he's given us his son, our living hope. And then look at verse 4. Yes, we've been born again to a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we've also been born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for us. Now think about it this way. We've been born again. We have a new identity. We are now children of God. And because we are children of God, we are heirs The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that we are co-heirs with Christ. And if we are heirs, then we have an inheritance. And the inheritance that we have, the inheritance that God has promised to us, is the very inheritance that God the Father has given to God the Son. That is our inheritance. And the Father has given all things into the hand of His Son. And therefore, as heirs, we are heirs to that inheritance, to all things, to the world. Now, it's not the world as it is now. And the world as it is now is perishing. It's defiled. It's fading. But notice how Peter describes our inheritance. It is an inheritance that is imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. So first of all, it's imperishable. That means there's no decay, there's no death. It is eternal. Secondly, he tells us that it's undefiled. That means that there's no sin, there's no evil. It's pure. It's holy. And finally, it's unfading. Now, it's March, and these are the first days of spring. But if you happen to get outside and you're going for a walk and you look at your own garden in your backyard or if you're walking through the parks in the city of Toronto and you look at the gardens, you can see there that they are faded. The, the, the lush colors and the, the beautiful display of the flowers and the shrubs and the trees, if you think of just walking through High Park, that beauty of last summer has faded. And that's the term that Peter uses here for our inheritance. It's unfading. It will never fade. That means it's beautiful and the beauty of our inheritance is eternal. It will last forever. 
So the Apostle uh, Peter reminds us that we have been born again into this inheritance. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. And these three words describe our inheritance. Eternity, purity, and beauty. And we know that our inheritance is secure because Peter says it's been kept in heaven for us. It's kept in heaven. It's safe. It's secure. So that's our inheritance. But what about us? What about the heirs? It's one thing for Peter to remind us that the inheritance is kept safe and secure. But what about us as the heirs? Are we kept safe? Are we secure? Well, look at what he says in verse 5. God is keeping us by his power. He's keeping us. He's guarding us by his power. And Peter uses a word here for guarding. It's a word that was normally used in the first century with reference to uh, what, what soldiers do. It, re- it has a military reference, a military guarding. In other words, just as soldiers will guard a, a fortress or just as soldiers will, will guard you know, a person on military escort, so God is guarding us by his divine power. And again, remember what we read in our call to worship this morning. Psalm 62, verses 6 and 7. God alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. God is guarding us by his mighty power. So Peter reminds us and Peter blesses God and calls on us to bless God because our inheritance is secure. But not only the inheritance, but we too are safe and secure. So Peter calls on us on this Lord's Day to bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and he is keeping us by his mighty power. We bless God for that reason. But we also bless God because in the midst of trials, we are being refined, we are being purified, we're being strengthened, and that is producing in us an eternal, inexpressible, glorious joy. And not only that, it is turning our hearts towards the Lord Jesus. And so that's the other reason why Peter calls on us to bless God on this Sunday morning. Now, we are reminded, and we have been reminded this week for sure, that we don't yet live in the inheritance that God has promised. We have not yet come to that. Uh, We live in a world that's perishing. We live in a world that is defiled. We live in a world that is fading. And we know it, and we know it this week. And because of that, we are grieved by various trials. But notice how Peter sets out the way in which we understand these trials, the way in which we interpret our perspective on these trials. First of all, we see it in the light of the hope that he has just laid out for us. Then also, he frames this account of our trials in joy. Look at what he says in verse 6. We rejoice. And then again in verse 8, he says, we rejoice. So he's going to speak to our trials. He's going to speak to the grief that we experience. But he has framed that 
in this announcement of rejoicing. It's for joy. Now, how is it, even at a time like this, how is it that we can rejoice? How is it that we have joy? Well, first of all, notice how Peter qualifies the trial that we're going through. So we see this in in verse 6. He says that it will last for only a little while. It's temporary. And then he says, it's necessary. It's necessary. So first, he reminds us that this will last only for a little while. The trial is temporary. The inheritance, the life that we're promised, that's eternal. That's, that's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. The trial is temporary. It's for a little while. And when we compare the trial to the, the future glory that we are about to come into, it's not worth comparing. There's no comparison. So Peter reminds us this is just for a little while. And the trial that we're all going through right now, it's for a little while. It's temporary. This too shall pass. But notice what else he says. It's necessary. It's necessary. Everything that's happening around us right now is not by chance. These aren't just random events. Peter is reminding us that this trial, what we are going through right now, the economic instability, the concerns over the spread of this virus, the, uh, all, all of the, the regulations around our um, social interaction, This is necessary. This is what Peter is telling us. It's not by accident. It's been ordained. It's been ordained by the Lord Jesus himself. He is governing this. He has appointed this to happen. And there's a reason for it. And Peter shows us the reason for it. First of all, he says it's testing our faith. It's proving our faith. And the proving of our faith does two things. It it strengthens our faith but it also purifies and refines our faith. So first of all, it strengthens our faith. And we've been experiencing that over this week. And I think it's probably the case that in the coming weeks, we will experience that even more so. Our faith will be exercised. But just as with the body, if you are working out regularly, if you're exercising, if you are lifting weights, that exercise is strengthening your body, it's strengthening your muscles. And so it is When God leads us through times of testing, it strengthens our faith because it tests our faith, it exercises our faith. And as our faith is being exercised and as our faith grows stronger, we come into a greater confidence in the very things that Peter has shown us here. We come into a greater confidence in the hope of resurrection that we have, the hope of eternal life. We come into a greater confidence in in our trust in the hope of this eternal inheritance that God has promised to us. And we come to a greater confidence in his promise that he is guarding us by his great power. So our faith is being strengthened, but our faith is also being refined. It's being purified. And Peter here compares it to the refining of gold. The gold goes through the fire. And as it goes through the burning of the fire, it is refined. It is purified. And this is the purpose for this test right now. This is why we are going through this right now, because God is purifying, he is refining our faith. And as our faith is being refined, our our hearts and our minds are being fixed on Christ. And this is what God is doing right now. He is purifying us from our idols. He is removing our idols. Were we putting too much faith and trust in the market? Were we distracted by professional sports? Were we caught up in... 
uh, the various other activities of our life. God is purifying us from our idols right now, and he is turning our hearts and our minds and fixing our attention on Christ. Our faith is being purified. Now, the result of all this, look at verse 7. The result of of this testing, the result of even this testing that we're going through right now, is that we may be found in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice how Peter has described that, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the word that he uses there literally means to unveil. At the unveiling of Jesus Christ, we, we, will, we will then on that day know the full meaning and purpose of all of this because we will see the refining power of this time of trial. But Peter would have us look forward to that day, the day of the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. On that day, we will see him face to face. But today, even in the midst of this trial, we don't see him face to face. He's veiled. He's hidden from our sight. But look what Peter says. Though we don't see him, we love him and we believe in him. Though we don't see him, we love him. And God is leading us through this time of trial, this time of testing, in order to turn our hearts towards the Lord Jesus, to kindle our love for him, to draw us towards him. Though we do not now see him, we love him and we believe in him. We will come in a more come to know in a deeper way, a more profound way, what it means to trust in Jesus at this time. And then he says, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Now, there is a certain mystery in this, but God's spirit is present and at work in the midst of this trial, producing joy. And Peter begins by saying, we rejoice. And he concludes here by saying again, yes, we rejoice. And it is a joy that is inexpressible. It is a joy that is filled with glory. Now, this doesn't mean that we have uh, simply, you know, a positive attitude about things. This is not speaking simply about the fact that we will grin and bear it, that we're going to get through it. Peter here is talking about an inexpressible, profound, deep joy. It is an undercurrent that will sustain our souls. It is, as our, ta- as our faith is growing, as our love is kindled, as our hearts are turned towards Christ, as the idols are removed, we will come to that deeper knowledge of our Lord. And the result cannot be but a profound and deep rejoicing and joy. And this is going to be a time for God's people of, yes, refining, but because of that, revival and rejoicing, and great joy. And Peter says here that that joy is inexpressible and it is filled with glory. And I want to conclude on that thought. The joy of God's people in the midst of this trial, filled with glory. And that glory is the glory of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer, and it is my expectation that through this, The church is going to radiate with the glory of Christ, with the presence of the risen Christ, with the light and the life and the love of Christ. And it is my prayer that as God tests us and refines us, that because of that, the light and life and love of Christ radiates from us in a world that doesn't know Christ, in a world that doesn't know the joy of which Peter speaks here 
of a world that doesn't yet know what it means to be born again to the living hope of the resurrection of Christ and into this eternal inheritance. And it's my prayer that many will be called into that light, into that life, into that inheritance in the coming days and weeks. Let's pray. Father, we are gathered this morning in our homes. And because of it, we feel the loss of being together in the sanctuary. And we have just prayed through Psalm 84. And we resonate with the cry of the psalmist as he longs for the courts of the Lord. But even so, even as we're apart, we know that your spirit is with us. Your spirit binds us together and binds us to Christ. Christ who is our living hope. Christ who is our co-heir. Christ the one who has led us into this wonderful, imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance. And our prayer together this morning as God's people is that as you refine us in the midst of this trial, that you will strengthen our faith, that you will turn our hearts towards Christ, that your spirit would cultivate in our hearts this joy which is inexpressible and filled with glory. And that through this refining, your people would shine with the life of Christ, the glory of the risen Christ. And Father, we cry out for the world around us, for our friends, our family, for neighbors, for co-workers who don't know you. And I pray that at this time you would draw the hearts and the minds of Canadians to your Son. And may they come into his life, his inheritance. May they know the inexpressible. May they know the, the, the joy filled with glory of which Peter here speaks. For we ask this all in the precious and the powerful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.